the yeast is the thing that's transforming it from sugary, bitter substance to to beer. It is it is the biggest flavor contributor. podcast the best and most humble podcast to take deep dives via casual conversation into the infinitely fascinating world of fermentative beverages like wine and other drinks i'm your host daniel honan let's leave the housekeeping to a minimum this time this episode number nine nine, nine, is long enough as it is Topher Bame and I had a great early morning rip inside his wildflower fermenting and blending facility in marrickville sydney a couple of weeks back, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Suffice to say, if you dig what you hear, consider supporting the show by becoming a Patreon subscriber or making a one-off donation using PayPal or Bitcoin. This helps to make the podcast sustainable and enables me to keep producing quality, ground-up content like, well, Fermenting Place. My guest for episode nine is Texan native, now honorary Sydney cider, Topher Bame. Topher, is the brewer, blender, and co-founder of Wildflower, a producer of fascinating beers which often feature native Australian ingredients, particularly the yeast, alongside the other requisite European elements, such as grains and hops, method, and technique. In episode nine of the Fermenting Place podcast, podcast. In episode nine of the Fermenting Place podcast, Topher and I discuss unlocked doors, time spent in Spain, 500 million years of culture, knowing your brewer. We get meta on subjects concerning percolations of provenance and place, and we talk cool ships and a whole bunch more. Topher and I meander through the world of brewing and blending using native inoculations, as well as diving deep into the wastefulness of the modern food waste system. So, typical Fermenting Place podcast fare, yeah? Number nine. Well, like I said, without any more preliminary exordium, I did say I'd keep it brief. Please listen, like, share, subscribe, and enjoy episode nine of the Fermenting Place podcast, featuring brewer, blender, crafter, and creator of some of Australia's most delicious fermentative beverages, Topher Bame. to the uh, Fermenting Place podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for being here so punctual this morning. It's what? It's half past eight now. Um, you had a big evening or lunch yesterday afternoon. We had lunch, yeah. It was dusty. a first, a little bit, not too bad, a first um, time to just, just to say thanks to our team. We finished bottling the last of our fruit beers from this harvest uh, on Wednesday. So it's now Friday. So we finished on Wednesday. So we went to lunch on Thursday. Right. <laughs> and kind of, you know, it was, it's just been obviously a hell of a year. Um, but that really started for us uh, in late December um, with uh, the fires starting to really affect uh, the receiving and kind of uh, us working with the fruit um, mm-hmm. that where we get. And that fruit had already been drought affected, right. you know, from the months before that. So it's just been, it's been a long year. It's the first time to take a little break, but you're very welcome. Um, excited to be here. No, I really do appreciate it, man. And as I said to you off air before, uh, this is a conversation that I've been wanting to have for a long, long time. Perhaps nece- not necessarily uh, via a podcast, but uh, I think it's the it's the best medium to do this in. And um, 
It saves me a hell of a lot of time having to come up with two and a half thousand words. <laughs> so I'm down with that. Certainly. So give us a brief history of you, Tofa, but also Wildflower and how they all coalesced. Sure. Um, I was born in the States uh, and raised in Texas, native Texan, M- moved here um, to Australia in 2009, um, basically finished up high school in the States and realized at that time, um, this, this sounds very clever when you say it in the, you know, speaking of the past, it wasn't quite as, uh, quite as, um, I wasn't as sagacious as this sounds, but, um, when I finished high school, I kind of was, I, I guess, looking back, disillusioned at the university structure in right. the States and right. just college itself. So I knew that that wasn't where I wanted to be or where I wanted to go to continue my studies. So um, instead of uh, instead of going straight to college, as pretty much everyone had done at my high school for however many years, um, came to Australia and basically did like a, like a gap year. Um, so I spent, spent some time out here and realized I really liked the country and there was one girl I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as as uh, Australian women have a tendency to do, they uh, <laughs> I, uh, she drew, drew me here. She stole and she's your heart. Now, now my wife and yeah, we have two kids now. But, um, yeah, I stayed uh, for all of the reasons. Um, and uh, moved in 2009, spent some time, you know, traveling and floundering around the country, doing little bits of work. And then um, really got stuck into my degree. So I, and then I studied, uh, so I studied internationally. I was an international student at um, Sydney Uni. Oh, wow. And um, studied uh, astronomy and like applied physics, essentially. Um, and uh, did that for a few years, finished my undergrad. And while I was kind of at university, I started dabbling in, in, in home brewing. You know, it's, 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 it's always a, a great idea to to make your own beer during university yeah, because it's cheaper. Exactly. Well, <laughs> well, I thought so. Um, <laughs> after buying all the equipment, financially, and the maybe, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Time wise and upfront costs. Yeah, and it was this, it was this really beautiful hobby and like a like a great um, practice. I really enjoyed it. Kind of tickled the uh, analytical side of my brain um, in the brewing in terms of trying to make things repeatable or, you know, hit numbers or to mimicking great beers, you know, um, copying them and kind of seeing how close you can get. Um, so there was, you know, there's a million different little variables that you can control as right. a brewer. And that was really fun, but it, it wasn't something that was just for me. So that was the other part. Like I grew up in a big family, so six kids in my family, and I was the youngest. And my our house like literally didn't, the door... It, it could lock, but it was it was <laughs> never locked. And it wasn't it, required. It, to, no, to it was like always open and wow. and just a big family of like hospitality and conviviality in terms of the southern hospitality vibe. That that's I mean, mom was cooking and baking all the time, and there were always people dropping in. So this idea of like community and sharing was like baked into me from a young age. And so brewing was this great practice that you could do and share you know, with the wider group. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. like, it's like, it'd be like if cooking was like mildly inebriant, I mean, that's, that is brewing. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, you know, mm-hmm. it's really just a cooking process and then you get to share it. So I really enjoyed the brewing process for that, for that reason. Um, and making beer. And so it kind of stuck around with me, but as I was at uni, I was 
doing the home brewing. And then as I was finishing up my degree, I um I kind of came into cahoots with uh um Chris Sidwa and Andrew Finneran, who are the owners of Batch Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a small small group of uh, expats that play a little bit of lacrosse, which is this kind of bizarre American sport. Yeah, 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 we know it. American yeah. Pie, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There Everyone knows it from American <laughs> Pie. Um, anyway, uh, we played lacrosse together and they were starting up Batch. So this is uh, late 2013. And so middle of that year, I started working for them while at uni. So I thought, oh, this is a, this is a great fun thing to do, kind of between my undergrad and before I start, you know, honors and PhD. So very much an academic career was was where I um thought I was going. Right, right. And um, once I started making beer professionally, which was straight out of uni, um, uh, I I realized really li- I really liked it. Uh, and you know, making beer and uh, probably sharing it was a lot more exciting than um writing code which was pretty much all i was doing with like um sort of big data astronomy so like radio astronomy kind of stuff um and so i I stuck with it and never never went back to uni um and that's how i kind of got into the industry i I suppose um that kind of back door and um so from 2013 till sort of 2015 spent my time at batch and I was also brewing a little brew pub on the North Shore, making some amazing. Uh, well, uh, sorry, they were maybe they were pretty rudimentary, but mm. it's a great little pub. It's like an English Cascale kind of place, so making Cascale um, in in Narrenburn on the North Shore, and and at Batch. So from the, for those few years, was able to kind of have free reign of what I wanted to do at, at Batch. Very much at that time, and still now, it was driven by this kind of huge wave of creativity in terms of that was the era of, of beer that we were in. Right. Um, and you would, you would remember this from, I, I know you were writing about beer at that time. You were probably one of the only people in the country doing it. Um, uh, you know, the, the wave of craft beer was, was kind of at that time, really, really, um, uh, focused on, or like the, just that, that newness the difference, yeah. you know, it was what, what kinds of things can we add to Novelty. beer? Yeah. But when you think about it now, it's like, oh, it's a bit of gimmicky, but that was yeah, really sure. exciting to so many people. And I mean, it's, it was really exciting to a lot of people. That's where we were. And that was what I was able to do at batch was, you know, that, that kind of brewing where if you can dream it, go for it. Kind well, of, kind of look, thing. There is an incredible skill. Or if you can add, I don't know, however many kilos of um, pan au chocolat, you know, <laughs> to a wart or something. I mean, that's amazing. And then produce a produce a drinkable beer out of it. Yeah. Or add, you know, myriads of fruit or so on and so forth. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it, it it's not something that I'm going to um, knock off, uh, you know, on a, on a Wednesday afternoon after work. No. Well, and that's the thing. I, I think your beer was such a novelty for, you know, those types. That was what people were going for. Sure, sure. Um, whereas now, you know, craft beer in some ways has, in some circles, let's say, has dropped that kind of craft prefix mm-hmm. and it's just beer, sure. which is lovely, which is where we always wanted to be. Which is where it should be. Yeah. 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 So, um, that's, you know, that's where the, that's where the market was in the industry was. And so that's where I was able to kind of get a lot of that out, you know, in terms of the, not, not that I don't love doing that now but um yeah yeah uh, putting koji in beer and weird stuff still so that's fine um but uh um 
the type of brewing that I was doing was very much like go for it. You know, yeah. I had free reign. They free just reign, they, they kind of said, just go go for whatever you want. Yeah, and so that was a number of years. As I continued though working with the brewery, um, I got into other fermentations and particularly other other drinks. You know, I didn't grow up in a in a wine family or or anything like that. Um, right. I didn't have a huge understanding, but um, we ah, here you are. Here, here, we are very much Merrickville. Yeah, <laughs> even though uh, we're in the middle of. A pandemic. Uh, yeah. the planes still arrive in Merrickville. Yeah, not as often though. I've noticed, no. which is which is handy yes. for the recording anyway. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily for those that want to go on, on holiday. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. For for those few years, um, Chris and Andrew became really busy running the business and, and selling the beer, and so, um, I just you know baptism by fire in terms of in terms of being a uh, let's call it a semi-professional brewer. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't think of myself as a professional <laughs> brewer because um, I wouldn't be very good in a clean brewery, really. I also don't work very well for other people, so I <laughs> often apologize to Andrew like and Chris for the way, that, <laughs> the way that the way that I probably behaved myself there. Um, but yeah, it was, was uh, allowed to brew whatever we wanted, but through that, I kind of started to get into other fermentations and I started to see some things about um, the industry, the brewing industry, as well as um, some of the types of beers that we were making. And they took on a different light in that um, I became much more interested, started becoming much more interested in making beer with, uh, I, I suppose, a sense of place. Um, mm-hmm. Making beer, I, I think one of the things that probably drove me the most uh, away from, let's say, using American hops for IPA. Let's just say that. I mean, I still drink those beers. I love those beers. And I have no issue with the producers of those beers. But one of the things that personally drove me away from that was, you know, going to and from the States, you know, back home once once a year, twice a year, and tasting the icons of the style there, and then coming back and, you know, essentially recreating them or kind of reimagining them here. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> Pardon me, sorry. Um, it, it kind of, it just struck me that we were kind of reappropriating things like we tend to do in this country. I mean, sort of all Western cultures do it, but we, instead of instead of making them ours, it was just a, a, a mimic, you know, a, a copy. Yeah. Um, we now have our own styles in this country, you know, that are very unique. I mean, we, we, the only one that we had pre-craft beer was these sparkling ale. It's the only yeah. beer. There is apparently an Australian bitter, you would call it. But um, I find that co- that's symptomatic of like a, a wider cultural uh, mentality that's part and well, mostly driven by economics. You know, you set up a brewery, you want your return on investment. Uh, so you want to start brewing things that are marketable and people are going to buy almost immediately. Yep. You know, you don't want to be fooling around with mixed culture ferments because <laughs> uh, your accountant's going to get on your back kind of thing. You yeah. Know? And, and, and so that drives that lack of imagination, uh, which is one of the reasons for the podcast, to be honest with you, Topher, you know, fascinated by people like yourself, Chris, who I've already interviewed, uh, episode uh, four, mm-hmm. uh, maybe five. I don't know. Don't quote <laughs> me on that. Look it up. Um, but you know what I mean? Like it's it's that kind of passion play where you're just not driven by anything other than that pure curiosity. It de- definitely that, and that I so I don't I don't um 
I don't I don't see what we do as being very different than the people down the road who are you know the brewers down the road who are making um, lager or, or, mm-hmm. or IPA. Like I've I've no issue with it, and it's not no. it's not that there's someone it's not that there's a handful of us that are. It's not a sliding a scale of better no, or worse. No, it's just, no, it's just we're just in different places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, anyway, um, I mean, and that's this, but like, it's the same in wine. Like, why, why is there so much Cabernet in Australia? <laughs> like, it's it's scores. It's Robert Parker. If you look at the if you look at the plantings in the '60s, there's so many varietals that we wouldn't have. You might have like ten acres of it in yeah. Australia now. Yeah. It's totally changed. It's it's. It, I guess it's just it's flavor of the month. You know, it's it is. You're exactly right in terms of the 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 market. I mean, do those wines, do those grapes rather grow best here? Yeah, is the question. I mean, yes. I mean, there are certain regions that are made for cabinet. No. I mean, like in terms of like they, they they're married, but I we know ha- what you're we have saying, a lot though. of wine grown grapes growing in the wrong the wrong regions. One of the that. things that I find eternally fascinating is if I'm talking to a wine grower uh, who has established a vineyard because they love Bordeaux. Yeah. And they could be, you know, in um, some far-flung region that, that just really is not appropriate for those varietals. <laughs> but they just love Bordeaux. Or yeah. they love Pinot. Yeah. Pinot is one of the Pinot's worst. Pinot is probably the worst. Yeah, Because you're like, you know, I get it. Pinot's fascinating. It's amazing. And, you know, Burgundy does it the best. Uh, but you're not Burgundy. Yeah. Okay. You don't have that soil or climate. Environmental or conditions to, 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 to produce that thing. And I'm not saying stop, but I'm just saying just because you love Burgundy doesn't mean you can make it. You know, it would be yeah. as, as silly as me trying to make your beers. Well, well I, so that's what I feel that potentially that same idea. Uh, small caveat: We have many friends who make amazing Pinot in this country. Absolutely, but, but yes. I'm not slagging um, you guys off. We're yeah, just no, 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 no. Um, and and uh, there are regions that are, you know, perfect for it. In no this, doubt. Yeah. Um, the hunter being one of them. <laughs> uh, no comment. Um, uh, that kind of appropriation, I think, exists in the beer world in the same way. Sure. Is this the analogy, the, the the long bow, I guess, that I'm drawing? Sure. Um, in that, you know, you you look at something that's suited for a climate and a and a culture and a, a you know a people somewhere, and you think I really like that, mm-hmm. I'll pick that up and drop it here. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily always work. Our our um our taxation laws here are such that we we're just not going to see bourbon barrel aged imperial stouts being a regular thing as they are in the states. Uh, an IPA sitting under 6% is potentially, arguably not an IPA, if whatever you, everyone can draw their own distinctions on that, but a 7% beer, Bell's Too Hearted, Bell's Brewery in Michigan, amazing, amazing brewery, Bell's Too Hearted is like, I think it's like 6.8 or 7.2, mm. and that's like an everyday drinker wow. for th- yeah. those, for Michiganians. Yeah. I mean, the brewery's built on it, it's about five times the size of Stone it's huge, the brewery. That beer wouldn't work in Australia. No. Australians, uh, like, we, we enjoy the, well, I call myself Australian, I'm not a citizen, you know, in PR, but Australians love, I feel like, the, they enjoy the, the habit of drinking more than probably getting drunk itself. 
something people would really enjoy getting. Have you ever seen Aussies overseas? Yeah, I have. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. pretty awful. It's different. <laughs> yeah. It's worse when they're like hanging out with Kiwis and the uh, and the Kiwis are infinitely better behaved True. than the Aussies. True. And, uh, I was filled with self-loathing at that point. <laughs> Don't bask at me yeah. yet, but um, no, but I get what you're saying. I mean, like uh, you know, America has has its own kind of uh, drinking problems, and there's certainly a problem in this country with alcohol abuse as well. Um, but it, it's the the taxation laws make styles like that, I think, kind of not non approachable. Um, you know, beer beer should be affordable regardless of how how you know, amazingly or kind of bespoke it's made. Right, it's a it's a it's a plebeian drink. Um, Incentive matter. Yeah, and I, I, I have a big um, passion to s- re- keep beer affordable for mm-hmm. everyone. You know, it's not something that you should be able to get, should be locked out of by any means. No. Um, anyway, these are all, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is, a, we're a bit in the That's sky. That's a rabbit hole We're right a bit there. platonic. Um, let's get back down to earth. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, this movement in the industry, I think, to kind of copy styles was something that, that kind of didn't make sense to me. I was going back to the States, tasting the classic styles, mm-hmm. and didn't, didn't feel comfortable bringing with me the beers that I was copying to the places that they were born in terms of make, bringing my uh, Australian version of an IPA, of an American IPA with American hops, but Australian barley, back to the States. I wanted to, you know, being someone that was picked up from the states moved here i wanted to make something here that that could only be made here you know that or that was unique to this place and so through that kind of started to become interested in the ingredients that we use became interested in in, in agriculture a bit more mm-hmm. um and uh very very quickly became it very focused on on fermentation itself and uh utilization of naturally occurring yeast in order to, to do that. So finished, finished up at Batch in 2015 and spent a year with my wife living in northern Spain, a little town called Santander, right on sort of the coast, kind of Beautiful. if you go Bilbao, uh, San Sebastian, Bilbao, and then Santander is the next major town. Right. And then you go to Gijón, which is where the amazing Cidra is from. So. June Tabo. Have you heard that song, Santander? No. Oh, yeah. you got to look that up. It's wow. A beautiful song. Oh, I, I, I didn't even know. Yeah. I've lived it. Yeah. Wow. All right. Thank you. Uh, I will look it up. I'll send it to you. Thank you. Um, so we, li- we, lived up, we lived there for a year, and it was great to be immersed in a different culture, different, like a very gastronomic culture um the northern spain like above the picos like the picos of europe the mountain range up there it's just a totally different food than anything in the south so mm-hmm. santander shared a lot more with with kind of basque style gastronomy um then even though it's it's not basque it's the next region over but food and culture and then in a, this different way of kind of consuming food and, and drink mm-hmm. not not just in the physicality of it but then the the function of it um and that was really good. I mean, and obviously being in northern Spain, the access to wine was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the prices, I mean, prices in Spain are, are super cheap, but prices of French wine yeah. is ridiculous as well. And Santander is kind of this like very, um, it's a very sleepy town, mm-hmm. but in summer it's booming. And obviously there's a big bank from Santander. People know that in the UK, but um, it's a big, it's a big holiday holiday area for like very, 
very wealthy, um, you know, uh, southern Spaniards because mm-hmm. all of England goes to southern Spain, <laughs> and then all of the Spaniards just hide up north. Um, but the, so because of that, because there is um, a bit of money floating around, there's some amazing bottle shops, and like the I we went back. Um, my wife and I in twenty uh, in twenty nineteen, and I couldn't believe what I had my fingers on at the time. You know, like I did, you look, you go back learn, learning a bit more, and you're like, wait, that was just sitting on the oh, bottle, that was just sitting on the Dude, shelf yeah. for you. You know, how has no one bought this? And they're like, oh, it's just normal. You know, it's like just that. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to have that all the time in the in the wine bar I used to work in London, and I I, I appreciate it to an extent. Because I was aware and conscious of just the amazingness of the wines that I had access to, mm. but but being here in Australia and just how much of a ball ache it is <laughs> to get access to some of these wines, and not even talking just logistically, financially as mm. well, they're just it's yeah. a blowout. So yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. So I guess in Spain was more immersed into that kind of. Uh, broader sense of fermentation and i guess as well like not looking at beer through the narrow lens that i had at the time in terms of very much like a craft beer you know capital c craft beer kind of lens and instead looking at it from a broader perspective of where it fits in a meal the purpose uh like where it fits in someone's palate you know Mm -hmm. a lot of women would drink little canyas like little little beers like uh, you have these like tiny little glasses of beer in Spain it's amazing it's like 100 mil caña with your pincho it's, it's great but like everyone would drink beer at at some time in the in the meal and so kind of taking the step taking a step back of what it is you think of what the flavor structure is there why do you drink beer you know what is it about it that yeah. makes it suitable for a certain time a certain food, a certain place. What's the compulsion? Yeah, like and the composition. Like, wh- wh- what's the palate structure? Like, what, what, why do, yeah, what, why does some, why do we go for a beer at this? You know, when you're, when it's pizza and it's hot. Like, what is it about a beer that just makes that perfect? You yeah. know. Yeah. And kind of started thinking more about light lager, really. Um, the yeah, that 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 zippy carbonation, totally. that kind of light acidity that you get in pure lagers, pure refreshment. Yeah. Um. In, in the same line. way that like a gin and tonic can do mm-hmm. without the kind of intense bitterness that you can get from certain tonics. And then the, like the kind of hypobotanicals, you know, tone that down. Yeah. And that's what we can get in light lager. So I spent that year um, doing a lot of surfing, which was great. Uh, a lot of cooking mm-hmm. um, and visiting breweries uh, in and around Europe and kind of doing little stages with them. So working with breweries that that's had maintained um, a sense of, most of the brewers I was visiting at that time were just really, really excellent with their house cultures. So people that worked with yeast really well. Um, and uh, most of the brewers I really love. This is a really long intro. No, to this where is I awesome. Am. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I just realized, I was like, wow. Um, spent some time with a handful of brewers who were, who were making um, beer with, I guess, unique yeast. Um, and uh, some of those, some of those brewers at the time were making beer with with um, knit with yeast from their environment as well, from their so, but not all of them were mixed culture by any means. Um, and learning and seeing old breweries was really really handy as well. Um, just the dynamics of it, like physically, how do you, how do you make a production product? You know, you think about like Kention. It's just an easy example to point mm-hmm. your finger at because people you can see photos of it if you've never been there. But you know, this is a 
essentially steam steam powered brewery with belts and pulleys and things like uh-huh. that moving around. It's very physical. It's great to see making, you know, six thousand liters of beer at a time, which is like a sixty hectoliter brew. It's, it's, it's big. Not too bad. It's big. It's good output. It's great output for a brewery that ages their beer for minimum two years. You know, it's usually a year, year and a half in barrel at the youngest when it's when it's blended. And bottled, so like, how does that work? Yeah. You know, how do you physically? And because we kind of lost, I guess, in brewing that that idea, um, the the sense of uh, production, but it being like broken down. You can kind of see it when you go to some wineries and you mm-hmm. see like heaps of little barrels, but then you know that all of those are getting kind of recomposed and reengineered back together, and they're going to be blended into like a ten thousand. 30,000 liter tank mm-hmm. and then you know you'll see that bottle potentially at dance or something like you know at Tim Murphy's like yeah I, like Clonakill is a great example as well because a lot of people have gone there it's not a huge winery like Mm-mm. really by a, lo- a lot by a lot of means but you can go and have a look and you know their their barrels um are not like crazy extensive um but so you see it, but they're also they're also they're not huge, but they're doing decent output. You mm-hmm. know, like there there is, it's enough to be available on the shelf. You know that that makes sense. It's like, and beer kind of lost that kind of understand. Well, I think a lot of breweries lost. I think with the, the advent of like stainless steel and the, the modern kind of production brew house that sorry brewery that we would see, you never really see the beer it's always like behind metal and yeah. anyway like we kind of lost that sense of like how do you do something artisanally and and very like very um like hand handmade such an awful it, word but it, like that that idea but also on scale you know how, how do you do that and so it's great seeing anyway that's like a very long very long expansion of being like physically seeing places like dupont yeah you know and like how they ferment their yeast or or vol or false relatively large as well it's you know a product that is you know unparalleled but also like done really normally you know yeah uh, you know it's time it's that fact that we're missing uh you know because because those those breweries and those processes were emergent over time and Mm. there was any there wasn't any compulsion uh to to speed it up to 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 scale it quickly to get your return so that you can buy a boat or an Audi or whatever. Yeah. You know, you, they just they just had time to just do the do do what they were doing, refining the process slowly but surely. Yeah, it's very valuable. Um time. And and that's what comes that's what becomes emergent in a place is is the amount of time I guess you can allocate to a to yeah. thing. And I suppose that's kind of what you're doing here at Wildflower, right? You Giving yourself a bit of time w- within certain boundaries and constraints, but of course, yeah. compared to rather than just replicating a style and 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 just going from A to B in the shortest way possible, mm-hmm. you're kind of meandering. Yeah, definitely a, a lot of a lot of oxbows, as it were. <laughs> like, yeah, this is not a straight river by any means. No. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. I guess. I guess it is. I, and I guess once you're once you're once you're into that rhythm, you know of making beer in one year and not releasing it for two but you have stock from two years ago to release now it's in order to pay for the you know once you're in that rhythm then yeah, you can that's right you can have that you have that time time that's on your the luxury slide. now yeah yeah ha- finding that you know getting into that rhythm is the tough part that's right yeah um 
I probably maintaining is also very very tough. <laughs> um, and then you know not like uh, having a, a null harvest in the middle of that. Yeah. You know, like which we we haven't had. We're very very lucky in that respect. But in, in terms of being brewers, and we can continually make our our raw product. Um, but yeah, that would just ruin the whole cycle, wouldn't it? For like a like a like a winery that couldn't produce because because smoke affected grapes. Mm-hmm. There you were, you were on that rhythm, and then now it's just totally been broken. So, anyway, Mother Nature, strange man. thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, so I spent this year in Spain. It was great. Uh, visiting these breweries. Um, working with them, understanding a bit, and became very, very clear in that year that, um, I wasn't going to be uh, returning to academia. Um, and I was really going to give this a go. Like just as we kind of, my wife and I talking about it and just decided well you know this is what's interesting me like like this is what i'm interested in at the moment um let's pursue that like i don't want to look back in four years and go i could have done that you know um but universities are going to be there so i can go back to do that like you know like and the stars yeah and the universe (laughs) are still going to be there (laughs) yeah we hope so um this year's thrown a lot of crazy curveballs Um, so, uh, yeah, finished up that year, came back to Australia and quickly started, um, foraging, uh, uh, flowers, um, to start a culture to, and this is a very, very broad brushstroke, but, um, started, uh, yeah, foraging flowers to, to start a mixed culture of yeast in order to, to, to make beer in Australia with, uh, with a yeast culture, like a composition of, you know, yeast and bacteria that, 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 that was from here, um, and while doing that, the guys at Batch kindly um, gave me some employment, so I had uh, <laughs> had had some 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 work uh, yeah. during that time as well, where you're kind of just you know dreaming and thinking and putting all these things together. Um, they also uh, really handily, um, whether they know it or not, gave me a lot of wort, um, a lot of unfermented beer, so I didn't have to be brewing every weekend uh, in order to propagate and you know test out all these different yeasts. That's cool. So it was a handy to be, you know, oh, here's another plane, handy to um, just be filtering off little bits here and there and, and then be able to take it home. Oh, I'm going away this weekend. Cool. I'll, I'll grab 20 or 30 liters of wort and nice. then just throw some flowers <laughs> in. The so it was really, really handy. Um, and this constant stream. Um, and uh, in... So this is uh, 2016. So 2016, we spent most of time there. And in October of 2016, um, so I, yeah, so from January to October was, was that batch building this culture. And then in October, we, um, I uh, had wrangled my brother-in-law into this idea uh, to start this, this, this brewery with me, who at the time was a, was a you know, corporate lawyer in the, in the city and hating his life essentially. <laughs> Um, so it wasn't too hard to say, hey, do you want to do this? He was like, yeah. It's yes, such yes, a yes. common <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. It's so strange. Uh, I mean, a common thing to, to hate your job or to be a lawyer hating your job? <laughs> to be a lawyer hating your job, to be a corporate lawyer hating your job, to be a, you know, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So he was there and we um, we uh, we started this little, this little brewery um, and signed the lease to where we are now, uh, moved in in October of 2016. And so left Batch, cold like just straight up at that time and started working on this place um started brewing in december of 2016 as i mentioned to you um and brewing i mean i, I guess i guess i i i 
I didn't cut all ties with Batch in that when I when I kind of had the conversation with the guys, hey, I'm going to move on and do this. Um, you know, thanks for everything. Um, oh, also, can I still use your brew house <laughs> <laughs> nights and weekends? And they're like, sure, no worries. Um, so I guess we have a slightly different model than than um, many other breweries. But um, uh, started brewing in into the space, so making my word um, elsewhere, so at, at Batch at that time and s- still now. And bringing that work to this brewery and the to where we are now, sorry, at Wildflower, and inoculating it with that mixed culture, um, that 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 yeast that I'd forged um, off of flowers. So hence the name of the brewery. Hence um, the name of the brewery. Yeah, Wildflower. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that was December. So that there you go. That that's that's from yeah. Go to woe. Well, but, I mean, the fascinating thing is, so a mixed culture inoculating off wildflowers. For for listeners that are. Uh, you know, trying to figure out all of this stuff. And yeah. I, I, I don't suppose there's a hell of a lot of you. I, I would hope that you'd kind of follow on along, to be honest with you. If you're listening to a podcast called Fermenting Place, <laughs> you know, that's a pretty specific niche kind yeah. of market I'm targeting here. Yeah. But can you just explain that process of um, capturing mm-hmm. wild yeast mm-hmm. from wildflowers uh, and then inoculating it into a beer? Like, how does that work? Have you... Ever seen the BFG? You know, like dream catching, like that kind of thing. The big friendly giant. Yeah, yeah. I read it as a book. I read it as a book. Yeah, yeah, as a book. No, it's not like that. Um, some, <laughs> someone described it to me like that, and I was like, that's kind of true. Not really though. Um, so anywhere, anywhere in the wild that there is sugar, anywhere in the environment, in, in nature that there is sugar, um, you will also find yeast. Sure. Um, yeast is a little microfungi that has uh, that consumes sugar, mm-hmm. um, and to, in order to stay alive, and like all living organisms, it has a preoccupation with living, and so it finds yeast <laughs> and it stays there. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's very much everywhere. Um, so I guess uh, there there was, uh, I guess, in terms of the onset of the idea the the i i guess my my idea was that there there are bees that are going to flowers mm-hmm. you know um therefore there must be there's nectar in some flowers uh there's sugar there must be yeast and and there was certainly anecdotal evidence at the time you know there was a, a brewery in the states very influential to me like Jester King mm-hmm. that that had um, quite i guess in some ways famously like been using some flowers to to start fermentations as well. So this isn't this isn't operating in a vacuum by any means. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything's like composition. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, and then you know, I'd already making bread and just heaps of heaps of um heaps of yeast in 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 flour mm-hmm. uh, as it is. You had um, a hunch that 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 this there was, yeah and, and, thing and could be a, an origin. Yeah, a hunch, but also like. Also, evidence, you and know, informed. Um, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just, just to be clear about something. Like well, you're an astrophysicist, yeah, yeah, like, so like, you know. Yeah. So, um, uh, the idea being, okay, the yeast is there, uh, but also taking that a step further, I guess, was was this idea that if I wanted to make a beer from this country, make a beer from here, um, that's going to be a great source of yeast for me, for sure. flowers here, because because this this landmass, this Gondwan arc has yeah. been separated from the rest of the so world ancient. for so long. Yes, and so rich 
you know, in culture and history and, and uh, you know, uh, here, the, the, this this continent. Um, I mean, if someone has a hell of a lot of money and they want to fund just research into the history of, you know, <sighs> just the indigenous culture alone, but, you know, all of the things that, that uh, come along with that. I mean, you're absolutely right. 500 million years yeah. of separation yeah. from essentially the rest of the world. Yeah. There's some pretty cool shit going on. Yeah, I mean, it's so evident in 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 the flora and the fauna, you know. Um, and so for me, this idea, okay, the flora is so unique. Mm-hmm. Maybe two is the microflora. Interesting. Um, and maybe then, if we're utilizing, utilizing working with, kind of partnering with nature in in her own ability to 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 have this kind of rich diversity of, of microflora that potentially we have in this country in order to, to, to work with her to, to make beer out of that or to make a fermented product with it, well, well, then that's something we can call from here. You know, that's something that not only could it not be replicated, not in like an IP sense, like I, I share my yeast with everyone that asks, like I, I don't care at all about that. Not just not be, but, but be, I guess, special because of that, you know? and and um i am i am someone that if i'm doing something you want to do it well Mm um don't sort of try not to half-ass stuff and that was kind of over that time in spain you know seeing products that had had this like amazing connection with where they're made and they couldn't be made anywhere else Mm -hmm. and so they're protected because of that and i thought to myself like what we just don't have a huge culture of that here necessarily particularly in beer you know we were obviously talking before about that kind of it wasn't it was it was a it's an appropriation or i would say probably a misappropriation of a lot of things rather than like hey this is what's around us let's do something with that you know and and this is this is certainly also happening at the time you know noma popped up in was it 16 2016 yeah yeah yep and and you know that didn't happen in a vacuum as well. It wasn't like Rene Redzepi is like the first person to forage for food, like by any means, or ferment. Um, but it, it you know that movement of of celebrating our own produce was also you know and still continues to 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 be a culinary movement. And that that was kind of I guess also working in my head. You know at the same time of thinking about you know vignerons growing and making wine off of a single place. Then, then you know, the produce thing was happening. It was like, well, maybe, maybe we could, maybe we could kind of Something tap in into here. this idea in, in in beer. There's a yeah. confluence of minds meeting yeah. somewhere in the ether. Yeah, and uh, and it's just about connecting the dots, or or just observing and being like, you know what, if they're doing it, maybe we can as well. But mm. we will apply it to beer. Yeah, yeah, and, and then I'd also obviously being in in Spain and before that started becoming interested. Not in you know big kick-ass heavy oaked wines, wines that were more agriculturally driven and and fermented with with the yeast that's on their skins, mm-hmm. and um, that that movement was also pushing me as well. Like, hey, this is happening in other in other places, mm-hmm. um, and this is how beer was made. That's you know, right. and 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 that, that so that that was the other part about being in Belgium, like, or being in 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 France, looking at these old breweries. I'm like, oh, this, you you can do this. You know, this isn't just this prize for the you don't have to the vanguard to the German purity laws. <laughs> no, no, you know, you can you can kind of have at it. Yeah, it is normal. 
Yeah. You know, like like I for, for the vast history of brewing history, yeah. it has been just a just like just whatever. Yeah. And like I was listening to a podcast a, a couple of months ago and they were, they were talking about adding meat as an eagles somewhere in, wow. in the US. <laughs> and like they found these super old recipes and, and you know they would add essentially animal product to their to their brews. Yeah. Um, just to see I've what would happen. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's, it's, ingredients it's, were scarce. Yeah, it's a food preservation technique. Right. You know, and, and fundamentally. Yeah, it really is. I mean, uh, w- this is a way to store the nutrition and 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 sugar that you get in a harvested perishable product mm-hmm. grain in something that is no longer perishable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a way to to sanitize water. Mm-hmm. Um, Water can be boiled, and if you add just a little bit of sugar there and you let it ferment, then it'll pick up a very small amount of alcohol, depending on how much sugar you add, well, at what source, but pick up just a little bit of alcohol, and then that, that water can be transported safely and doesn't have to be reboiled before consumption. That's huge. Like, it's that, a breakthrough, it's right? It's huge, yeah. yeah. And that's what beer is, you know? It, it's, it's both those things. So this, you know, uh, these ideas are happening at the same time. It's, it's funny to me how... How niche fermentation in food is. Uh-huh. You know, you go to a restaurant and there's like, you know, fermented something or other. That's just cooking. That's just normal. <laughs> Th- this happened in homes for centuries. <laughs> you know, we've like, fetishized it now. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. bizarre, isn't it? Um, but you know, before refrigeration, you couldn't keep things that weren't in season unless you cured them, fermented them. Transformed them some from something into something other thing. You know, yeah, some other thing. I mean, like entire like shark. Like yeah, anyway. <laughs> this is funny. Cheese, meat, everything. Yeah, I mean, look, the, it's yeah. fundamental, right? Yeah, and, yeah. But you're you're applying these processes to beer, which which is by and large a novelty in Australia. Um, you know, in terms of there's not a hell of a lot of brewers like yourself. There's uh, Van Diemen's mm-hmm. and there's Ashley mm-hmm. Two Meter Tall. Lost um, and La Serene yeah. as well in yeah. Melbourne, of course. So, you know, this is by and large a, a novelty, but you know what's interesting is that the the whole sour beer thing over the last few years has just taken off and everybody wants to drink sours. My favorite thing with that is um, I'm not a huge fan of kettle souring. You know, I, I like some of the beers and, yeah. I'll, and I'll smash them when they're, when yeah. they're a reasonable ABV, but um they're not my favorite. Uh, they don't have that acidity structure that keeps me sipping and sipping and sipping and sipping. That's, yeah, it's that's a- what I love. It's. I mean, it's a, it's a method. I mean, you know, Berliner Weiss isn't too dissimilar. Mm-hmm. Berliner Weiss traditionally would be would be souring in the in the fermentation rather than pre pre kettling like pre fermentation as it does in most of the sours that you would get. The beers with lower acidity. I I, I sour is such a weird word. Um, <laughs> it has a really bad uh, bad rap. Um, you know, something going sour, someone's gone sour. Um, uh, it's the acidity that is the preservative in so many foods. You know, yogurt, sauerkraut, sourdough. Those things are okay. Yeah. Sour, other things are not okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't... I don't uh, anyway, all, all beer has acidity, and also wine has like usually lower acidity than... Than than beer, we don't call wine sour necessarily. Anyway, <laughs> um, just just a small caveat. But um, you're right. I mean, it, it's certainly we are aware of that. Let's say uh, this isn't something that is going to be 
at your local pub anytime soon. Um, yeah. That's okay. Like, I don't have these grand visions of like no, <laughs> taking over, right. you know, like, that's fine. That's um, totally fine. But you're right. There aren't many of us. And it's, 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 it's not, I, I, I don't think it has much to do with the demand. Like, there are more breweries opening up that are working on, like, focusing on mixed culture here in this country. And I think they will have people that will be interested in what they're doing. And so what, once, once you can tell people, once you can explain to them where this comes from and why it tastes the way that it does or, or the, you know, and, and then you feel it like you, you drink them and you enjoy them in the way that you feel that evening or the next day. I'm, I'm not suggesting that, that, <laughs> that, that our beer has any kind of different like m- medical properties than anything else, but it, 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 it just opens your mind. Once you can open your mind a little bit, a beer like this makes sense. Right, yeah. it, it, but but it's it's it is still a little. I mean, it's it's a niche of a niche still. Well, um, I think about it in terms of, say, normally I reference things like bread. Say, you know, you can make a sandwich out of some white bread from Woolies. Mm-hmm. You know, put some some filling in between it. You know, it's 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 bread fundamentally, but it's it doesn't really do anything to your body. Uh, it probably ruins it. But when you have that taste of uh, freshly baked sourdough, mm-hmm. or even nothing, you know, ma- even something like a like a like a burger from Mary's, yeah, you know, it, it, it's that's a burger. It's you think, oh yeah. shit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like your body intrinsically knows. You know, I was down at this farm a few years ago, picking a whole bunch of um, veggies to take home in a in a box, and uh, I think it was wild sorrel. I was just having mm. these wild sorrel leaves and I was eating them like mm. they were chips. This thing was so delicious. And it was like, it was hard to explain and articulate, but it was as if my body just knew that this was something good, good. and nutritious yeah. and and was going to make me, you yeah. know, feel nice. Yeah. And it tasted amazing too. Yeah. Uh, and that's the sort of, that's that sort of dividing line. So when you apply that to any property, so for example, beer or wine, that hasn't been overworked, overproduced, etc. And all of a sudden, you your senses are attuned to that, and they, they're almost looking for it. And then mm. once they find it, they light up. And they're like, "Oh, this is it! Ding, 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 ding! This is the thing." Or it's like looking at a painting that 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 moves you, or mm. or something. You know, I don't, don't know how well, to articulate it. But but we all have. I mean, you know, not all art is subjective, but. In a lot of many people can look at one painting and think it's beautiful, and then someone else it doesn't move them at all. And I think I very much feel the same way mm-hmm. about what we do. It, it, you know, it it clicks for some people, yeah, and it doesn't for others, and that's true. fine. And and there is no, I I sort of the analogy with bread is tough for me because there is like a there is an inherent difference in 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 white bread and you know uh, a coarse and love um of sourdough is an inherent difference in terms of the actual nutrition there i i, I don't, that that same that's that's not completely analog to beer because right. you, you you can uh, you can have an amazing pilsner made of the exact same ingredients that that, that make our beer it's, it's a stylistic difference yeah. rather than a, than a, rather than like a, a purely sensorial type yeah yeah so like and then there is nothing that puts my beer above no anyone no, no. Else. you know it literally yeah purely st- stylistically for sure 
Um, but, but you are right that there. I, I mean, I I feel. Well, even if you this take like degrees. a Tui's new say, and then you and you pair that with like a Budvar. Exactly. And it's like you're like, oh, hmm, I know which one. There's something going on. Yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're fascinated by origins, which I was reading some of your earlier blog posts. Um, beautifully written blog posts. <laughs> you know, they're really cool. They're really insightful. They're so detailed as well. Like if 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 there's people interested, you know, they jump on there and they, they can essentially understand the ins and outs of this new release that you've got. Mm or um, the process to, to get it to where it is and so on and so forth. I mean, even that in and of itself takes a lot of time. So, yeah, yeah I, I enjoy reading them. But I went through <laughs> some of the, the earlier... inflicting that upon you. <laughs> oh, <I> <laughs> There's a lot of words on the phone. It's yeah. human yeah. action. It's yeah. my choice. Yeah. Um, you wrote that you were fascinated by Origins in one of the earlier posts, probably the first one, actually, mm-hmm. and I made some notes. Um and, and ingredients tied to geography and the surrounding environment. That's kind of where we're at, right? Yeah. That's wildflower going and harvesting those wild yeasts off those flowers. Yeah. Um, and and having that sense of place in a beer become emergent over time is. It, it, can you just to speak to a little bit about that fascination with origin and why you? Yeah. Well, I mean. I, Y- yes, um, <laughs> I feel like I probably wrote that, so that sounds like exactly like what I would say. But um, that's that's come from all of these experiences we talked about, you know, leading into where we are now. It's it was that it was that, that movement in food, in wine, and then the lack of was something I saw as a lack of place in in the beer the misappropriate all of those things just coming together and just right, i see yeah, yeah i guess that that's that's where it comes from but the it became i guess more tangible with 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 the brewing um when um especially when thinking about something that i would i would take to someone else mm-hmm. you know it became clear to me that beer is as much of an agricultural product as any other type of fermentation, you know, sake from rice, um, cider from apples, wine from grapes. These are things that are, that are harvested from a, from a time and from, a, you know, real soil, real dirt on the ground mm-hmm. and then transformed to something else. And, and, and I do think that that kind of, that barrier had been put up with beer and I think that kind of connection with place potentially l- in, in some ways, maybe not lost, maybe it was never there, but just not understood by a consumer. Um, breweries aren't generally on the land that they're making, that they're growing things from, mm-hmm. which is kind of strange as well in and of itself. Well, it's but one of my biggest bugbears is, um, not a bugbear, but it's something that I I really try and strive for is, um, showcasing or at least highlighting that wine is an agricultural product. Yeah. It comes from a farm. It is farmed. Mm-hmm. Vignerons are farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, beer is the same thing. Yep. You farm hops. You yep. farm cereal grains. Yep. You know, you farm yeast maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Something, yeah. Something They farm yeah. them in labs. Um, but or or the, f- the fruit that you add, you know, really... 
all of that stuff, right? Yeah. And and so the thing is, there's a spatial and there's a temporal dimension to these drinks that we have, and you don't have to ponder them every time you open it. No, but please don't. Yeah. You could at least perhaps just give it a little bit of thought and and be like, you know, this is this is actually really cool that I'm getting to drink this thing right here, right now. It's locked, you know, it's something from our yeah. time that's locked in that spit, yeah, in that bottle or can or whatever it is, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So I I guess that I mean, it's just I, I guess I wanted to with origin, like physically be like, that's where this is made. You know, there's this there's this phrase in brewing, like know your brewer, you know, obviously know your know your baker, know your know your farmer kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um it kind of stops in beer there. Um, know your brewer. Well, uh, what does your brewer know their farmer? Mm-hmm. Like, ask them. I, uh, but, but you don't have to necessarily go ask them. But <laughs> and this isn't this isn't a slight on the industry or, 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 or anyone else um, at, at all. It was just dawned on me that how come you know we at home like source like we we we. The, my family, we're we're very, we're we're very privileged to be able to 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 purchase our 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 meat from um an excellent butcher on the corner, mm-hmm. um, Feather and Bone, great friends of ours who who have guaranteed provenance on the labeling. You know, like they know exactly the farm and they've visited all those farms and they're organic or biodynamic. We're incredibly privileged to be able to to purchase organic or biodynamic vegetables mm-hmm. for our family. Like I I. I I recognize the privilege that, that that comes along with that, firstly. But we want to know where things are from if we're consuming them, you know. And, and that, that, that kind of does happen in wine a lot more. They, they kind of told that story. They maintain that a lot better than, than, than beer. How can I'm making a product that I can't do the same with, you know, to say this is how it's farmed, this is, this is what it was sprayed with at what time, mm-hmm. um, and then that person malted it. And then, and then this person here, you know, we mixed it all up, and we're the idiots that let it ferment. You know, like like traceability and yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh yeah, that 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 sense of origin, I think, is also really imp- was. It's, well, it's 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 equal to the the flavor kind of aspect of that. Obviously, there's a there's a difference that you get. You we've talked about this before. There's something about making things from a place in a space that gives them the flavors that they that they have, but I think there's also just an imperative importance, like there, there is an imperative, a social imperative to be able to, to, to tell your customer, this is where this is from, you know, like go for a drive and meet, meet the farmer at the gate, like yeah. have a, have a chat, you know, and like, I, I don't know, I think it's important. I know it, it and it, and it's so easy to throw some shots across the bow that you know this is some sort of inner city lefty bullshit and it's like <laughs> not really this is just wanting to find out what the hell I'm putting into my body yeah and that's all yeah. <laughs> it's it's not more not much more fundamental than that and and and, and it, it 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 is so just like fermenting it's so fundamental like in terms of like this was how we lived like this for a very 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 long time it's only recent Oh, exactly. That we we go. It's the, the, the novelty is the twentieth century, exactly, and the the exactly, ridiculous yeah. industrialization and the, the yeah. nth degree we went to. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm all about science. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but you know, like, um, it's got to be used as a tool. Yeah, not um, you know, uh, mm. it's, got, 
it's it's got to be used as a tool concisely and 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 still the, there's got to be old ways you know the lindy effect um oh, gee don't ask me to explain the lindy effect <laughs> it's um it's essentially that the longer something that the longer time something has been around the it, it it generally implies that the longer it will it will be around gotcha so yeah. it's kind of like the bible right it's one of the oldest books ever mm-hmm. and we can be pretty sure that in the next hundred to a thousand years the bible will still be here yeah heaps um, of way older books so lots of yeah. precise yeah. but <laughs> as as an example and so all of those techniques that were potentially lost through the um through the great arc of you know science and scientism of the 20th edition. century and modernization and so on you know we're just returning kind of back to that and yeah unfortunately and you get maybe labeled maybe as a hipster <laughs> if you do it <laughs> but 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 i think i think maybe we can do it in a better way you know like not mm-hmm. everyone needs to have no, we can use a little their now. own veggie garden what well, and we Refine can use it. the 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 internet to support you know uh, six, seven families purchasing all their veggies from one farmer, and then well, that, that supports the farmer. Thing, you know, these smaller, smaller economies. Um, yeah. and like hey, these are how lucky we to talk about this in the first place. But it's just, indeed, it it it, ju- it just became, uh, you know, especially in Spain, we were living on the coast, and so like, it, it was just strange to me. One day I was walking away from the market where you could, you could literally only in this town. I mean, you could get some fruit and veg from the supermarkets, but you just you just don't like mm-hmm. you, ju- you just wouldn't like you look at it you're like oh, that's gross it's kind of like here you're like it's just it's like a last resort yeah you <laughs> look at it and you're like this just i know that's not that's not what this is meant to look like but um i was like walking home you know had got you know, the, the so it's, it's it's a mainly maritime city in terms of the food that they eat so like w- way less way less meat um and way more fish and so i was like walking home feeling all like hipster about myself <laughs> like i just got my fish from downstairs and the all the veggies right up next you know on top like the, the top the floor of the, of the thing oh yeah yeah right Definitely. on top of it <laughs> and i was like why is this such a novelty i know like, yeah. like th- that's this is the wrong it's the fetishization a novelty this should yeah. be normal it yeah should it, be exactly normal. And, and i guess i guess that's what that's what dawned on me i was like wow we've come so far in so little time in terms of like we've really separated ourselves so more about that this just just food distribution you know the yeah. separation of like the the large this, these smaller circular economies becoming huge with people not not even i mean i was in i was in the riverina recently um which is where uh the the grain that we use for our brewery is grown um in a, in a farm um 40 k's uh, 40 minutes let's say south of griffith um and it was shock. I was like, it was the first time I'd been on irrigated uh, farmland in my life. I'd never seen it before. And it was just crazy to see the volume that surrounds you. There's, this, there's a new documentary out. I just watched it recently um, called The Biggest Little Farm. And it's a great little regenerative agriculture if you're into that uh, little, little story. But they, the, these farmers bought this, bought this farm about 40 minutes north of L.A. And they describe the farms that are surrounding them. And you, it's, it's hard to call these things farms. Um, they, they're, it's a mass manufacturer of food. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it's, anyway, you see that and you're like, oh, that's what I'm you know, buying when I go to certain places, is you're buying into that model of agriculture, mm-hmm. which... You know, arguably, everyone says like, you know, if this this idea of like feeding the world is really we talk about this a lot in regenerative agriculture because that's one of the main things. You know, yields are are lower in regen ag. Um, well, actually, not necessarily true. 
But um, let's say you're farming organically, like you, you're doing it by hand, you, you're just not going to be able to grow at the same scale. And so people say, oh, you can't feed the world with that. We waste so much food in this country. Joel Salatin does an all right we, job with it. Exactly. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he feeds heaps of people. He feeds a lot. Um, and they get their little warm and fuzzy kicks for... For, for, for supporting small and local. Yeah. You know, so the inner city lefties love it. We, we, we waste more food almost than we eat. 100%. So, so th- this idea 100%. about certain types of agriculture not being able to feed the world is ridiculous. We grow more food than we need oh, on, this, total on this earth. It just, just doesn't get to the right places or it gets rejected before it goes there. Oh, man, there's a farmer out where I'm... Uh, I mean, I live in Newcastle, but just out the, the back of... Newcastle and Maitland there is um, Jesse at Phoenix Park. And, you know, he's told me stories of, of his old man and he driving all the way to Sydney with their, with their produce. And uh, the, the powers that be basically get to the end and they decide that they don't need it. Yeah. Um, so they don't need it. They've got to drive it back to Maitland. Mm. They've got to destroy it, plow it back into the field. It's like the most fucked thing ever. Yeah. It makes no sense. And yet there's an entire... A town, a city around this farm that would literally, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to feed everyone in that city, but you could certainly get rid of that yeah. that crop. I, yeah, so uh, I, it's crazy. Back to origin, like it's <laughs> it's as much about that. Yeah, you know, in in our own industry, because you can't. We, it's it's. It, I don't think it's feasible unless you're like. Greta Thunberg or something like change the world as a certain person, like one person, you know, that idea, I think it's almost like you almost suppose so much of yourself. It's like self ingratiating to think that you can like, I think like do like massive long-term scale. What I think is like much more approachable and realistic is changing the world around you. You know, where is it? What are you already doing? It's like, like the idea of like starting a diet in a month, just start it now. You know, like, like w- w- what's going to happen between now and then? Yeah. If, uh, you know, like, uh, that, that was where I was. It's like, oh, you know, I, I want to support this type of agriculture. This is what I think is important. Is what I, oh, I can, I can do that in my, in my environment as a brewer in what I'm doing. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, just, I guess, like, th- that, that, that idea is, like, taking it on, taking it on um, in, in, yeah, uh, like, in, in your current environment, you know. And like but you create take, a, make a the network changes. effect. Yeah. Right, so you're one person that has the idea of, of inoculating your, your brews with, with these wild flowers. And then people come in and they drink it and they think, oh, I really like that. And then they go and tell their friend. And their friend might not like it, but the other friend might. So then there's a, another node in the network and then that passes on and on and on. And then they go, fuck it, I'm going to start a brewery and do a similar thing that Topher did. Great. And then all of a sudden that builds out. And that's the thing. It comes from the bottom up. It's ground up. It's, it's way more sustainable yeah. from that local, you know, instead of that top down, um, you know, that, that screws or skews all the incentives, which means that you can't brew a beer similar to those guys in Michigan here yeah. in Australia because it's decreed. Um, by the powers or whatever yeah, that, yeah. that, you know, it has to be a certain here, there, over, or you, or you taxed out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the thing. One person can change the world, but not in, an, in a Greta Thunberg kind of a way. It's yeah. kind of more, you start local and you just wait over time. You keep showing up every day and doing that thing that you are passionate about. Exactly. And that's the beautiful thing that you do. And that's why I like talking to people <laughs> like you. I want to just quickly discuss 
Yeah, probably we'll talk a bit about beer, have we? <laughs> the yeast. No, but that's right. <laughs> it's a drinks podcast. But this is all part of it, and this is the beautiful thing yeah. about this podcast. It because that stuff really I get passionate about, and I know you do too. And yeah. and if our listeners, I hope they do too. Is but you know, the yeast that you have um, caught. Kind of like Ash Ketchum, Pokemon, right? <laughs> Maybe. Sure. I don't know. Um, but have you noticed there's differentiations between various um, ones Flowers. that you've fostered over time and, and you kept them and you regenerate them? How do you perpetuate that uh, strain? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we handle our yeast a lot like a, like a sourdough baker would handle, handle their, their mother in that our culture just exists in all of our beers mm-hmm. in that we continually collect it from one fermentation and then pitch it into the subsequent one. Right. So it, it like any brewer would. Most brewers so don't do that. Do they? Okay. No. Most brewers would be getting would be getting fresh pitches from a lab. And maybe you would maybe you would you might use your beer your yeast up to like eight or ten times. Yeah. I know Sean up at Foghorn does yeah. Yeah, yeah, pitches, yeah. yeah. No, that's like Sean's amazing, like, and that's one of the. Th- it's 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 a blatantly obvious improvement to ninety five percent of 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 beer for me. Yeah, working with yeast comes with comes with a certain like uh, a knowledge that's not as normal. I guess um, a lot of people do understand how to how to make wort, the the brewing process in terms of transferring. Um, I'll get back to these in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but transferring like barley in adding hops, and they think about that recipe aspect of mm-hmm. brewing, and then and then they just give it to a yeast that's like written on a recipe or something like that, uh, out of a dry sachet, um, and, and 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 pitch it. Uh, oh, sorry, pitch the yeast, and then you you walk away. But the the yeast, if you think about it, where it tastes nothing like beer. Like in in they taste they're totally different. It's like wheat bix. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's a bitter wheat bix. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, so the word the unfermented beer tastes nothing like like what nothing. That's unfair. But it's very different. And you think that the yeast is the thing that's transforming it from sugary bitter substance to to beer. It is it is the biggest flavor contributor and not contributor creator in the process mm-hmm. of beer making. Um, really, brewers should just be called wort makers, not beer makers. We don't mm-hmm. make beer like yeast does that. So most people don't because it it does require a bit a bit more. Uh, you need some really, really good handling practices in terms of keeping things um, sanitary. But also, brew uh, the 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 yeast companies will tell you that you can't after sort of six or eight generations or t- ten or twelve, whatever, around like under twenty, the yeast will mutate. They call it. Um, and it won't be the same flavor as it was from the from the beginning. So you need to you need to go buy another buy another prop, right? Which is ridiculous because like it just keeps them in business. J.W. Lee's like so many English breweries Monsanto are on like their things like that. Too. Oh God! <laughs> another time. Go back to the yeah. beer. Sorry. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> what's Bayer now? They've 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 rebranded because they got they're together now. Yeah, they yeah. create the problems and solve them. It's brilliant. <laughs> Scary, actually. Mm. Um, but they, uh, not Monsanto, but there's how many, there are breweries in the UK that are on like their 4,000th generation. Right. You know, of recycling their Amazing. yeast. You go tell them that they're doing the wrong thing and they need to go buy it from a yeast lab, like completely wrong. Anyway. Or you could buy some heirloom 
<laughs> yeast strains, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just funny to me that that's so many. Anyway, yeah. um, if a brewer is listening, and and there are some amazing resources out there for being able to handle your own yeast, and the variety of yeast that you can get as, as liquid cultures rather than dry ones is so much more varied, and so and you can manage your pitching rate better, and and you can manage anyway uh, the flavors you can coax out out of the 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 very rudimentary wort. Mm-hmm. Um, that that we brewers make in, in in being able to 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 handle and control pitching of your yeast uh, is is amazing. Like the, you, you can it, it changes. You know, it's it's the beer that goes from that like oh this is good to like wow this mm-hmm. is world class. You know, it, that's yeast always. Every and that's time. where the differentiation and the yeah. flavor comes from. Exactly. Yeah. So aroma and so on. Anyway, the way that we handle our culture, I guess, is is similar to. There's the JWEs, this brewery in the UK that's, you know, just collecting and repitching, collecting and repitching, collecting and repitching. What the yeast companies call mutation, we, we, we call drift. I just, in mixed culture circles. In that your culture through one fermentation changes its composition. So there might be however many billion cells of one type of yeast, of one type of Saccharomyces and, and you know, some hundred thousand of some other type. Cool. And through a fermentation, those could swap in terms of like one of them just grows at a faster or, or a faster rate and out competes. It's it, it's its own little you know ecosystem. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't scoby's not the right word because it's kombucha. It's different cult. It's a different. It's a different composition of organisms. But right. this idea that there is this like symbiotic relationship between a lot of these yeasts that live together in our culture is certainly present. Like they, they both compete and, and, and also work with each other in that some of the byproducts of one of one yeast's fermentation become the consumable things for, for another type of yeast. Um, anyway, so our, our culture does always change through these, through these subsequent fermentations and, and th- throughout the throughout the seasons we see differences in in the fermentations because our, our beer isn't temperature controlled when it's fermented it's just it's just we, we we knock out as in when we go from the kettle into the fermenter we can manage the temperature that 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 comes you know from boiling down to usually we, we knock out our beer around like 26 to 28 degrees so pretty warm okay, yeah very warm for actually beer beer terms um, and then once it's there, we, we don't, we don't, there's no glycol chillers. There's nothing turning on and off, keeping it at a certain temperature. So, um, we can, uh, we see differences in those fermentations over, uh, because of the ambient kind of environment, the temperatures are different, but also because the fermentation and the environment's different then the yeast changes mm-hmm. throughout those seasons. So we get differences in, in the culture every single time. Right. Um, we don't add to the culture uh regularly i also should should just just state draw a line in the sand that when we started there there was there was a belgian origin brewer's yeast strain in the culture it was all the wild stuff that we got off of flowers and that was co-pitched with with a, with a saison strain um I, I probably don't need to do that we've now made beers pretty pretty quite successfully without that mm-hmm. I think that was probably my 2016 insurance plan. Just like I needed to do Fair that. Fair enough. So on all the beers, okay. on all of yep. the culture, on all the bottles, it, it if it if it lists the ingredients, the golden golden amber, it it says very explicitly there is brewer's yeast in there. Yeah. We we've now had the sample. The we've had the um 
there was a someone who studied like soil soil microbiology, which has a really similar uh, si- similar kind of um, relationship to like what happens in our culture in terms of a lot of things competing and working together. And anyway, um, he wanted to look at our culture, so it was sent for like he, he did some DNA analysis on it, and there's something like six hundred plus different organisms living there. Awesome. So, so one of those is a is a Belgian origin strain. Got yeah. it. Um, and, and it is quite present. Um, but that was added in 2016, and now we collect and repitch, collect and repitch. Maybe the smell that we're getting now in in primary is is some other sign of Saccharomyces. Maybe maybe it's that. I don't know. Anyway, it's moved. But I I, I just I just make that very clear. Yeah, just, be, just because sometimes it it does it does confuse people slash um it it's Riles a, the it's, purists. it's a nomenclature <laughs> uh yeah issue. Um, so uh the culture uh we we don't add to it often. Um, last year uh Waddle has been one of our our best performers let's say mm-hmm. um i don't i don't put nature to the test but um in terms of uh Providers. continually successful fermentations yeah mm-hmm. wattle seems to be a really really great flower for that yeah um it blooms kind of well it's actually opportunistic which is pretty cool and that it can kind of bloom any time of the year but generally on this south well i guess like southeastern side of the coast of australia we we see it on the shoulders of winter oh it's my favorite um yeah we're we're really coming out of the season now it's it's a bit sad because they've planted it along most of the highways now and like so you you go driving like i was up in the blue mountains recently you go driving and and it's just gold you know yeah and it's quite nice anyway my wife and i got married in august and um, nice we had wattle on our invites and all of our menus and everything like that yeah. and all in the arbor and whatnot. And every year now, it's just this beautiful reminder. Yeah, that's lovely. I love it. Yeah. I, I used it for my my daughter's first birthday. Uh, uh, we made this, ca- made this cake and I was really into it anyway. Mm. Just decorated the whole thing with wattle. And, and that, as soon as I see it, I always think of her. Um, yeah, that's yeah. so cool. Anyway. Um, yeah, every time. Um, what? Because it's on the shoulders of winter, though, I have this, like, like I, I don't actually know, but there could be something that's happening there akin to spontaneous fermentation in happening, being more successful in colder times right. in that there's less sort of, I call it nefarious bacteria floating around. Um, potentially, it could be that. Uh, we've also done ferments off of hot binds in February. Cool. So quite successfully so yeah. there is there is i don't think that there is a rule that it has to be cold um when you when you harvest yeast uh, but anyway um we added that last year and where we've we've doing um so like we got the wattle fermented just added wort so back to like how we started the culture we did this last year and then the, we really liked the yeast after you know Two or three generations, like we we brew with it a few times. We really like the yeast, so I just added it in with the culture, and now it's part of the culture. And then we'll probably do the same thing this year. We've got some wattle that we collected, and it's fermenting. It's pretty cool. It's quite stone fruity. Like it just adds a different element, and and um, we'll just add that to the culture. So in in no way is the yeast like this immutable thing. Like it it just moves, and and the 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 beer will change. You know, the beer now tastes different than it did three years ago it's dynamic and, and uh, yeah i'm okay with that like yeah. like and i think i think our customers are too um you know if, if you want to 
you, you, you can't put nature in a box and say stop. You know. No, that's um, right. <laughs> like, uh, and, and we also can't. We have to. I don't know. I I I um. I don't throw it all into the wind and um not uh and 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 in terms of saying like oh everything is going to be different though every single time or like I don't know what's going to happen and I when I sell you this beer I I don't I don't have an understanding that it's like the one that you've had before um there is I feel we I have a duty to to the people that we sell our beer to that the beer doesn't doesn't isn't dramatically different sure um every single time or, or flawed but it's it's kind of like vintage variation in wine potentially yeah right? yeah um and and one of the things i love about the wattle or the types of um flora that you use or even just the 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 noticing the differences in in fermentation and activity dynamism and so on is that that's like a portal to nature Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's a way to sort of bridge from your, you know, day to day into this realm that is just eternally fascinating, mm. and uh, and I don't think we'll ever get sick of talking about no. drinking, tasting, eating, so on and so forth, um, because that's the thing that white bread from Woolies doesn't do. Yeah, you know, it it doesn't offer that portal. No. Of it's, it's mind expansion, devoid of uh, pretty much everything. <laughs> right next Vapid. to us here, Tofu, you've got this awesome copper beaten thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called a cool ship, right? Yeah, I think that's what we. It's, I think Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's what we call it in English generally. Um, I think there's different names. It's just a yeah. Sorry. What What's the other names? Oh, I mean, it's spelled, it's spelt differently in 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 different languages. Pronounced. It obviously. looks like a nice bath. I mean, it's it is. It looks like a big spa. Yeah, um, it's it's a piece of equipment for 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 cooling downward. Um, why? Yeah, I don't know why we call them cool ships, but but anyway, yeah. I saw an Instagram post uh, a couple of days ago, I think maybe, uh, where you had it up at Mountain Culture in the Blue Mountains. Yeah, and. There was some liquid coming out of the tap, mm-hmm. splashing onto some sort of plate, plate yeah. uh, which I presume is aerating it. Yep, and uh, and then just filling up, and uh, it helps it helps cool it down a little bit as well, spreading it out. Right. Yeah. But not too much. I'd love to have smelt it. What What were you doing? Um, we were uh, brewing um, spontaneous beer. So we were, sorry, we were brewing beer. Well, I should rephrase that. Um. We were making beer uh, that was due to be inoculated by the nighttime air um, in in Katoomba um, and cooled uh, overnight in this vessel. And over that cooling time, the 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 the, the environment itself kind of impregnated itself into the into the wort, and then and then um, would would kickstart the fermentations. So a, a lot of people call this this brewing not a lot of people but I, I, you you can call it sp- spontaneous fermentation but it's not spontaneous like something starts it like obviously like i mean i guess it, it comes from somewhere mm-hmm. um so it's not uh, maybe that's maybe that's the wrong word as well um but uh, we think about it uh, i i think about it just as a uh, 
It's a different method of capturing yeast. It's just a weird way of, of inoculating beer, really. Fair enough. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you, was that the one that was fermenting out the back yeah. um, that yeah. we saw off air just before? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And how long do you think that will ferment for? Like, what's your time horizon? Um, so they're pretty slow. Um, and they're also pretty funky. Um, so tr- I, the best examples that we know come from the area surrounding, surrounding Belgium. So that's where we have the most anecdotal evidence of, of, of how this works. And those brewers tend to age their beer for anywhere from one to, to, to three years in barrel before, before blending. Um, this is a functional piece of equipment that was used in breweries around the world for centuries. And you're you're attempting to, I guess, encapsulate place. Yeah, it, it it's a great distillation of that because uh-huh. you are. I mean, you can do this in a vineyard, and it works just like as a well. Like a curve type thing. Yeah. Right. Oh, sorry. I mean, like you you could do this spontaneous fermentation in a bit, but yeah, I That'd guess like a pretty You Bring that up to the hunter. Yeah, it's nice. Might have talked to someone about that. <laughs> um, uh, pitched it. Um, but yeah, it. it it fits around the back of my truck for that for that purpose. It's a great it's a great visual thing. Like it, it's tangible for us as consumers to be able to 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 to, to bite that. Mm-hmm. You know, we we get it. Yeah. You know, um, and that's some. It's 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 for some reason it seems more approachable as a concept than um than it than transferring that that idea in wine. In wine, like your, I I heard about recently. Who was talking about this? Um, it's talking about a fermentation that's actually taking their vats, like taking the stainless back out to the winery and putting, starting the the. This is in New Zealand, starting their ferments in sorry in the vineyard. Mm-hmm. That's where the yeast is from. Yeah, you know, it comes in on the grapes, and when it's in your winery, it can. Some some people do have like a Peter Coos. That's the right. Yeah, word. yeah, yeah. Like where you're where you're inoculating from one from one ferment to the next to the next to the next. So you, you get it started in your winery, and then you kind of use that throughout the throughout the throughout the season. Um, once it's in your winery, you know it's kind of subject to the to the environment in terms of the, and, the yeast the that's there. Yeast in the, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so you mean finishing ferment back in the vineyard? Yeah. I've, uh, yeah. Um. Um. um uh, Bridget right. Raffle, who's a, who's a who's a um, where's next? An excellent song was telling me. I can't remember the producer. Um, yeah, who's ta- who's who's like processing the the fruit? Maybe they do semi or whatever, right. and then taking it back out there, which okay. is just fascinating. And uh, like that's that's that makes more sense. I don't know for for to talk to someone about fermentation coming off of the fruit. You're like, oh yeah, okay, I get that. You know. Anyway, um, so all this is to say there's something about this process that i think people can people can put a finger on yeah. and they go oh yeah okay i get it yeah the yeast comes from there um which is a little bit a little bit harder to to understand i think or it's maybe a bit a bit more hand wavy um in even the way we talk about the 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 flowers yeah like um you know oh right, you did what you got the f- anyway <laughs> um so yeah it, it's a it's a it's a style of brewing it's a style of inoculating beer um that i've wanted to to play around with you know for as long as i've been interested in this style of brewing uh, as in mixed culture brewing 
and um, this year was our first year to be able to to do it. Um, it requires a great deal of time. It requires some a special piece of equipment um, in being the cool ship. And I've you know waited for quite patiently for about two and a half years um, for this one to be made mm-hmm. um, because I was I, I I knew who I wanted to make it. Um, right. You know, it has its own kind of life we've gotten meta enough so i can let you in and like you know it's <laughs> like it, it's a it's it's a living thing for me um like it the fact that it is the labor of another uh, so of a craftsman like that has made this um he like breathed you know functionality and life into you know inert metal and that for me has that's important for its its use its later use is that it is something that's you know real it's something that's been worked by hand it's not it's not um it's not dead you know uh cold metal it, it it's the there's a warmth yeah yeah definitely no it's it's a stunning piece i mean just just sitting um Sitting in the in the in the space right now, just without even doing anything, it's just this is a nice thing to look at. Yeah, it has a presence. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So far, I want to um, flip it into the extra time, sure, and get a little bit uh, more meta, yeah. maybe into your relationships <laughs> with beer, some of your favorite beers, so on and so forth. Sure. All right, we we we've had breakfast. <laughs> we're good to go. We've got sparkling water and bacon egg rolls. Awesome coffee. Where's the coffee from? Double Tap. It's a great little cafe around the corner. Um, Dan, who uh, owns it with his wife, has been in specialty coffee in Sydney for ages. He knows everyone, and he he does some of the roasting now. He also sources stuff, but he's he's just the man. I know it's just a flat white, but it, no, it's delicious. Tova, before you you open Wildflower, you did your apprenticeship drinking a lot of delicious beers. <laughs> yeah. Can you recall any that stood out to you in your oh man. time? Lots and lots of them. Um, I, I would probably call what I was doing more more like a like a stage because they weren't very long stints anywhere. Um, more that kind of idea in food where you where you would go to a place and just just get a taste of it, mm-hmm. and then they kind of you know pass you on to somewhere else before <laughs> you get to know too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, you know, just just getting a, an understanding of again, like the physicality of it. Like, how do people make mixed culture beer on scale, and you know, like on some sort of decent scale? Um, so probably I I spent a little bit of time at a brewery in just outside of Austin called Jester King, mm-hmm. and um, they're still very close friends, um, and uh, have some like really amazing relationships from there. But um, like very very generous people with um knowledge and with process and going back well talking about the 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 blog posts and things like that i I think i I certainly i owe a lot of what i know to the handful of people around the world who write down what they're doing on the internet um in terms of mixed culture beer and so i felt like if i was pursuing this same kind of thing you know so much information was given to me very freely and openly, and I sort of I feel like a, a duty to 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 continue that. Pass it up forward, yeah. Pay yeah, it forward. It's, it's not it's not it's not mine. No, my knowledge by any means. 
and like I mean, and really importantly, and I probably should have mentioned this before. Like the I was sitting in a in a, a, a at rootstock in um twenty eighteen. No, was it eighteen? Yeah, eighteen. Yeah. Anyway, oh no, no, it was twenty seventeen. I can't remember. One of the rootstocks, mm-hmm. and um in this in this uh discussion uh, led by Max Allen, and he's talking about um Australian drinks, and you know. We were on to Vermouth and talking about um, Made Nine and stuff like that. And then he all of a sudden just like turned and he was telling us about uh, fermentations that were happening pre, pre-colonial, like pre-colonization um, of, of Australia. And, and one, of, one of them um, that starts, uh, that was made, that was, it was documented from Western Australia that was using um, Banksia flowers to start fermentations as well as the the nectar form and ne- the cool. nectar becomes like the sugar as well as the inoculant um is the flower itself and he looked at me and he was like you didn't even know that did you tover and i was like oh no i had no idea um uh i can't remember what the story was just saying that the this knowledge is 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 out there you know and it has been has been he's like, like we want to tell that story so like in terms of what i'm doing like it's not new no the first but time, you're a, but you're a a custodian of the here and now. Yeah, yeah, and so it's passing that on. Mm. Um, so, and that's how a lot of my kind of experience was, just throughout through through learning things. Um, was probably more, you know, it's it, access is a, is a is a difficult thing for these beers, um, these styles. It's not something you can, uh, like beer. Beer doesn't travel as well as as wine, and it's not as it's not as global like the market. Um, there's something beautiful about that for sure. And that, you know, beer is generally consumed close to where it's made, which is, which is pretty cool. Definitely. Um, but, uh, there's another airplane to get drinking, you know, literally getting your hands on some, some of these bottles, uh, is difficult. And so that, you know, part of, part of traveling, um, was definitely that was being able to go taste some, I mean, you know, things stand out. Some of the, the, the fruited beers that, that, that Jester King was making, um, some of their spontaneous beer really changed my mind. Um, that kind of opened my mind, I guess, a bit more. Same thing with Allagash. Allagash in, in Maine has this has a cool ship beer that's like, oh, man, it's amazing. Um, so, so good. So spontaneous probably fermentation probably kick-started. I was probably drinking more of those at the time. Is and there then a particular one that you t- you tasted that you can recall where you were just like, "What is this?" I remember drinking a um a bottle of uh, Noble King, which is a mixed culture saison from from Jester King, so like a five percent beer with with my wife. Um, I think this was before I can't remember, but we drank it together, and it was probably the first beer that she ever like actually enjoyed you know like that's probably not fair to her she is a she is an amazing palate and 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 really drinks a lot of things probably one of the first times she was like this is this is really good yeah and click yeah and i that was a big thing for me because i was like wait like i can do something that i can share with the person i love (laughs) um because it's you know the big ipas and stuff like that that i had been making weren't to her taste so um and also just this idea that oh there are flavors here that that 
you know, uh, harmonize with with a broader group of people. I mean, going way back to why we started the brewery, origin, sense of place, that was one thing in the industry that I didn't like. But the other thing is just the, the gender of beer is so male-dominant. Yeah. The styles of beer yeah. that we make, the culture surrounding it. So silly. It wasn't a space that my wife was comfortable in, you know, beer space. And I was like, this isn't right. Like, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't want that for, for our world. You know, my little, like we were talking about the world that you build and how you change, like my little world of this place and this space, very, very influenced by like how we, how we built it out and how we present it is very influenced by like the aesthetic as well as the function so that it is a place that's, that's inviting, you know, um, you know. Do you miss Texas? Uh, I do now, um, not being able to go, mm. and um, but yeah, it's it's been pretty awful there this year. Um, uh, I miss barbecue a lot, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's 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 mainly family. Um, but I, I I like living here. Right, we're 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 in- incredibly prized in this country. Yeah. Um. So it's definitely part of it, yeah. For sure. I love traveling. I mean, I love going back home. I, I talk about traveling home, but yeah, that's that's what it feels like. Um, yeah. yeah, I love being in, like traveling in the states. I hear you. When you first arrived uh, in Australia, like, what were your initial thoughts? What, what what time of year did you arrive, and and what? Came in winter. Okay. Um, that's not as much of a shock to the system then. Nah, Texas is hot though. It's just humid here. That was the issue. It's here. humid. Oh yeah. God. Um, like where I'm from in Dallas, it's not. It's not super humid. Um, I found it to be quite similar. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of. It's a lot. I feel like Texans and Australians would get along. They do get along pretty well. Mm-hmm. There's this sense of. Like, space. Like you're spread out. Like we have, in both places, like quite a bit of, yeah, room to breathe, as it were, and. It there's something about like that that drives you know the type of hospitality that people show and the warmth. Um, yeah, no, I I mean I liked it. Being a a a, a white male is very easy in Australia. Sure. So it it was uh, not everyone's going to have the same the same. It's the not decent. even going to be received, you know, as as openly as I was, and that's a real a real a real shame for the country but um yeah i found it quite easy to live here yeah yeah and w- w- what do you enjoy i guess you you, you live in sydney obviously mm-hmm. um what do you enjoy i guess in terms of the lifestyle and the culture that 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 the city affords you as opposed to what you maybe you know there's good good and bad right there's always a trade off so you know what what have you found that maybe hasn't replaced barbecue totally, but you know, you think, fuck yeah, I'd, I'd probably miss that if I was still back in in Texas. I miss, I miss, I would miss pub culture a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I really love like old pubs. Um, was it Lord Nelson yesterday? Um, I love, I love the way that like I, one of the things is I, I, I really like drinking culture here. Like I'm, you know, I work in the industry. And, 
Max called himself something recently, like a booze hound or something. He was just written in his book. I can't remember mm. what he called himself, but I was like, oh yeah, that's me too. Um, uh, I I like the I like the um the way that the pub operates as a as a as a space, mm-hmm. and we didn't have that growing up. We don't have that in Texas. Um, like it's like bars. It's just not the same. Yeah, the bars are so different than a pub where you go watch footy and you, you're there with your family. You get into fights in bars. Though. <laughs> yeah. Throw peanut shells on the floor, <laughs> bit of line dancing, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, you got better music. Not a movie at all. <laughs> you got yeah, that's right. <laughs> Roadhouse. Mm. Yeah, but uh, you got you got a he's better music scene. <laughs> <laughs> I do like country music. Country a lot. music's fantastic. Yeah. I love in it. Texas country, not the yeah, national yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, red dirt. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'd I'd miss that. Um, I do like the, the 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 diversity of food and like the food scene, particularly in Sydney. I mean, uh, Melbourne would be similar, but it's a really like cr- crazy developed market yeah. here. Um, which is, I mean, it is. It, I, I, every once in a while, you just pinch yourself and remember that you're living in a world class city. Oh yeah, it blows and, my mind know, the quality of food yeah. in Australia, coffee as well. You go, you go yep. to North America and you think, holy shit, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Or you now you can start getting really good coffee now like this, but you pay like five US dollars a cup. And you're like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> you realize like uh, so rarely are things, well everything's more expensive in Australia. So rarely do you find something that's more expensive in the states. <laughs> This um, is true. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, yeah, it, it that and 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 I think now, like, when I go back, a lot of times now, well, I haven't been obviously this year, but when I travel back to the states, there's something work related um, to it, and so you know, their food and drink are a part of that, and rediscovering things and re reviewing them as something that's special is is really fun. Like I love now going to cities that I've been to before, mm-hmm. but you just see a different city now because of yeah. what you're interested in and what shows you what shows you there. So it's it's um yeah, I'd I'd really love to see one of my siblings this year, but it's probably not gonna happen. Um anyway, so there's lots of things that I miss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've taken up a lot of your time. Oh. I think it's been well spent. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your time. Man, I've got a couple of questions sure, sure. which I like to end the podcast on, uh, which is just a little bit of fun. It creates a little bit of humanity towards the end of the <laughs> the pod. Um, are you ready? Yeah, I think so. What do you least love about beer? Um. I'd have to say the stigma that comes with it and the fact that it is one of the most damaging drugs on the planet and that's what we make and it ruins families and relationships and lives. Um, the fact that it is an inebriant is, is probably the worst part to me. I'd love it if it, was, if it didn't have any booze. I was going to say, so if you could essentially get all of the sensorial effects of drinking without the inebriation, without the, any of the effects. I mean, it's an important part of it. it, it they can't be separated, right. really. I mean, I'm, I'm more interested in fermentation than I am 
alcohol. Um, yeah, it's a. It's I think about it all the time. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, it's not great. Fair enough. What do you uh, What do you most love about beer? I mean, just flipping that on his head, but uh, I, the the way that it can 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 bring people together. It's it's a community thing. You don't you don't if someone's going through something and you need to have a chat and you want to you know prop someone up. You may you don't go ask them out for a glass of wine, do you? True. You know, <laughs> some people do, but there's a there's a comfort that surrounds the drink and like a lack of ponce or pomp uh-huh. that that kind of just lowers people's guards. You know, you, you don't you don't have to go at it in any way. You know, you, you don't have to consume it in a certain way. It can just be what it is. Yeah. And there's something really great about how that works in a dynamic, you know, with other people in terms of how it's so common that it's just not even thought about. And that's perfect. Like I, I love, I, I, I don't, I, I love, we put our beer in, in, in big bottles to encourage people to, to pour it and drink it. I mean, you can drink it in the bottle, it's up to you. But uh, that's what got me into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, you know, uh, storytelling and sharing and yeah, real, real human connection. Connectivity. Yeah. It's really bizarre to me sometimes when I think about, like, if you go to a friend's house and, and you know, you're like, you have, you have friends over for dinner and you stay up late and you're chatting and chatting and you cut a couple more bottles get open than they should have. But you, if you reframe that time, you know, so your mates come around at like seven, six or seven at night and they don't leave till like midnight or one or whatever. You just spend seven hours with someone, Yeah, you know, like, Reframe that in the morning, and it's weird. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Like yeah. you know, it does have this great way of just this, this tissue that just keeps people going. You know, and and yeah. and it's there's some really awful things that can happen because of it, as we just spoke about. Of course, but but there's something about that part that I that that's intoxicating. <laughs> it's one of the things yeah. I enjoy being this age is that the incentives to not get hammered. Yeah, uh, are so great because you've got responsibilities getting welcome to your partner and yeah. children and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. And you can now. Uh, we, me and my friends went a couple of weeks ago uh, together to to dinner, mm. and we just sat and we drank for about seven hours, just sipping beers, eating food. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's like midnight. Bar's closing. It's like, oh shit. Yeah, we've been here for a long time. Magic, right? Yeah. You yeah. didn't look at your phone once. Nope. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Think of a favorite album or a piece of music, song, whatever. Yeah. What is it? And uh, what do you love most about it? Uh, it changes a lot. Um, but I... Uh, I mean, this <laughs> favorite album is probably different than a piece of music, uh, as it were. Um, I think about it a lot. But uh, I... We listen to a lot of um, a lot of vinyl. Well, we listen to vinyl to brewery because we're like ultimate hipsters. <laughs> um, but no, I, I quite li- like quite like listening to albums. 
and like start to finish and that's just not what you get on a streaming service um it's like life isn't this like string of hits you know it, it has low points and 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 you know days where you're just treading water and the albums have that too you know like it's not like every single song is going to be the next one that puts that they're telling a story mm-hmm. through that whole thing the and good so ones do at least yeah, yeah yeah um so i like listening through i i like um we listen to 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 Mac DeMarco a lot. Um, so, um, so album to Old Dog. You know, when we need everyone to to leave the brewery, we put on the National um, and get get them to go to sleep. Um, but uh, I we um, I sing um, my kids to sleep. You know, like we sing to sleep. I put them to sleep by singing. That's for sure. But um, <laughs> they. Uh, so I I think about like we we often sing. You know the. Um, the John Lennon song, you know, Beautiful Boy, or you just danger for my daughter and whatever. And songs sure. like that like mean something yep. so much more now. Um there's a there's a great uh, I don't know if you've seen or listened to the music from Hamilton, the the new um the new uh it's not totally new, but a new um musical, like a Broadway musical. Um uh and there's this there's this great song about um like a father singing to his his daughter and another father singing to his son. And yeah, right. Anyway, I, yeah, I quite like that. Dear Theodosia, what to say to you? You have my eyes, you have your mother's name. When you came into the world, you cried and it broke my heart. Okay. Singing to my kids. So. I've got to check that out. I'll... I'll, I'll I saw the billboard for Hamilton on the way in it's this morning. It's so good, man. Yeah, okay. It's it's amazing. It's yeah, amazing. Right. Entirely casted by uh, non-Caucasian people, people of color, and it's it's this amazing musical. I mean, Lin, Lin Manuel, Manuel Miranda, who wrote it, is like a genius, and also like knows how to make very popular music. But um, it, it's you know it's there's 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 rap and there's like the rhythm is just not it's this crazy juxtaposition it's it's you know the founding fathers of America but they're all you know not white skinned yeah it's right. great it's great just, just how they're, how they're being played and um, the music's music's amazing so yeah I highly awesome. recommend it when it comes out if you you can go see it. Uh, we, we we Benny and I've seen it once and we're definitely going again. Okay. I sound like I'm really obsessed with it. <laughs> if we're not, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I got pretty obsessed for a little while there over um w- Legally Blonde the musical. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie. Uh Wicked as well. Yeah. I'm not a huge theater goer. I mean, you know. Yeah. I live in Newcastle. We we yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't we don't have to go to musicals. They, uh, ha- they had were, Waiting for Godot yeah. playing just before, or well, it was advertised to play. Yeah. I think it was that or Endgame. I think it was Godot. And I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind going to see that, you know, yeah. a bit of, bit of Beckett. Uh, and then COVID. So yeah. it's like my, my culture vulture status is really <laughs> eroding as, <laughs> as I get older. What's one word, if you could summarize in, in, a, in, a, in a word, what you do at Wildflower and, and why you do it? Can I use one word? Yeah, you can elaborate after, but it's got to encapsulate in one word. Uh, 
the only thing that comes to mind. Oh, not the only thing. But I think maybe the most concise would just be simple. Like, there's no smoke and mirrors, what we do. It's really, really simple process. You get, you get the barley from there, the hops from here, mix them together, add some yeast, and just let it go. Like, it, it, we want the beers to be simple as well, like, out, outside of that. I want them to have as much, as much interest as, as, as the drinker. If the drinker doesn't care about it, it's fine. Like, it should be simple enough that, they can still enjoy it, you know? Um, yeah. I like that you use the word simple, and yet from that simple process comes such an incredibly complex expression of beverage, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, I think, I think complexity is like a deductive process rather than an additive one. Yeah. You, you know, you, you see more when there's less obscuring it. Uh, so, um, very complex beverages for me are generally devoid of highlights. They 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 have all these nooks and crannies and little 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 passageways and little doors that open up as you as the drink evolves or, or as you continue tasting or you eat it with a new food or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's that's complexity for me, not uh, subtlety, nuance. Yeah, right on. Uh, Batman. Superman or Spider-Man? Oh, I heard you say this. <laughs> to someone else on this new broadcast, I forgot. Uh, I, I, I don't really know. Black Panther? <laughs> My daughter's into Spider-Man, which is really funny. Like, I, I don't think she's ever seen it. Like, she's never, like, watched it. Or, like, I don't know. She just really is into Spider-Man. So I guess <laughs> I'd say Spider-Man. She, she got a little suit for her birthday, and she puts it on and jumps around. It's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So cool. Spider-Man. <laughs> All right. If we were ever in a position to recreate the T-Rex, would we, should we do it? No, God, no. God, no. 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 It's a big no. Yeah. <laughs> Not even like if you could secure it with all the modern technology just to go up and check it out and be like, whoa, that's pretty rad. There's a, there's a human arrogance that presupposes the idea of doing something like that that I just... I just have an opposition to, like I, 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 I would love. I love being struck in awe by nature, and and commanding her, trying to demand things of her. I think is you can get that without recreating the t- the T Rex. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, trying to trying to become creators, I guess is probably not not something like in terms of rebirthing something. I don't know. <laughs> the, yeah. It's just a bad idea. It's, it's just, just a bad, a idea. bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Tofa, let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for speaking with me. We've been chatting Thank for you, over two hours now, I think. <laughs> We're just pitched over the two hour mark. I don't know if that's gonna make it the full two hours into the pod, but it's been a fascinating conversation. We've gone pretty deep into some pretty esoteric um, subjects. We didn't even touch on chords waning, <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, I don't know how deep you can go into chords waning, but... Uh, uh, it's just, you can go as deep as you like. Yeah. yeah. I'm sh- well, next time. Yeah, we'll talk about shoemaking next time. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it.
Nice one. Episode nine in the bag. What did you think? Did you enjoy it? Did you gain any knowledge, any insight, any wisdom? Does it make you want to drink some beers and figure out where they've come from? Let me know. Leave a comment if you're using Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Really helps with uh, the algos being able to see the joint. Uh, otherwise, you can tweet me on Twitter, tag me on Instagram at Fermenting Place. Simply reach out, say hello, give me a guest suggestion via email, hello at fermentingplace.com. Okay, that's enough from me for now. Take care out there. Consider becoming a Patreon supporter. Don't forget to eat, drink, and be merry. And I'll speak with you next time on the Fermenting Place podcast.